0: And on the podcast this month, John and Joe broadcast live, sort of, from yesterday's Learning Technology Summer Forum. We have a recap of all the great talks that took place yesterday. Joe talks to Stephanie Morgan about tomorrow's upcoming webinar on empathy, and we look at this month's magazine as well.
1: Hi TJs, you can probably pick up a little bit of background noise. Where are we, John?
0: We are at the Learning Technologies Summer Forum, two thousand and eighteen.
1: Yes, very exciting. So it's the last time we'll be at Olympia for Learning Technologies in London.
0: It is. It is. Yes. Um, I think Don Taylor, in his uh, morning address, said this was something like the fiftieth event they'd done at uh, oh. Olympia. So nice way to round things off. And they are moving to Excel uh, in January, which I've got mixed feelings about. What do you? How yeah. do you feel about that?
1: Well, for a start, it's February. Um, <laughs> well, there we it's go. either 13th 14th or 14th 15th i know it's valentine's day it's because 13th, there's, 14th, there's now, the yeah. learning love yeah. um, going on i feel okay about it because whilst olympia's lovely you know what it's just a building and they need a bigger building true
0: true you're clearly not no have you been to excel no it's okay i'm kidding um but it is completely the other end of uh, of london so it's um but yeah, they're clearly outgrowing it. We'll get onto their big news story uh, in, yeah, a, in a minute, exciting. but uh, this, this is a training journal podcast special based mostly around the Learning Technology Summer Forum. Yes. So, we're recording this at the end of the day on the only day Uh, how has your conference been? Has
1: it been good? Like you said just now it's gone really quickly it's just like I'm sure it's only 11am rather than actually being kind of nearly half past four Um, so in that sense it's always really good it feels like it's over too quickly because you've got great conference sessions to go to and if some of those don't take your fancy either in topic or speaker there's the exhibition to walk around there's people to chat to either people you know already or you can go and meet new people and it's always a great thing to have a balance of both.
0: Yeah, I would have thought, I mean, a lot of the sessions to be fair have been oversubscribed. I got turned away from when I really wanted to go to actually. Um,
1: <laughs> the editor of TJ got turned away?
0: Yeah, they, oh. they clearly they didn't know who I was. Or maybe they did and that's why <laughs> they turned why me they away. Turned you away. Um, so it has been busy but I would have thought for the kind of the free version of the learning technologies Uh, event, the kind of the mini-me to uh, uh, event in uh, February I thought it would be a lot busier than it was but I quite like the size of it, it's quite a manageable size to walk around so you can get everything done that you want to do which is good so
1: did you see the keynote this morning? No, I missed that, I was on the train but the tweets were looking really interesting about creativity and lots of David Bowie references which I know will make you happy
0: Always good, yeah, she was brilliant actually, Amy Baval her name is and um, I think she's her her official job title in one of her roles was chief creativity officer was one of the roles that she had she she was an ex-teacher um has become a creative consultant for a lot of businesses lives in hawaii so that's um that provided a very interesting platform for her to kick off her speech so she talked about
1: terrible for her
0: well a lot of it worked well Obviously, yeah, amazing, but she did kick it off with the picture of the, the creeping lava, which was sort of quite distressing because, you know, oh, the, obviously, the, uh, yes. the volcanoes recently.
1: In which case, oh, how terrible for her.
0: <laughs> But no, she's okay, and I think uh, it, it seems like quite a nice life she has out there. But it was a fascinating um, uh, keynote. She, uh, it was very fast-paced, it was very content-heavy, very passionate. Uh, allegedly, she removed 100 slides from her deck in the morning, so she was talking about Oof. really packing... That information in there and then kind of cutting away the things you don't need killing your darlings is one of the things she talked about in terms of creativity don't be afraid to um, get rid of good ideas if you if you yeah. want to kind of move on so
1: it's a, a really, really good, good point about that I'm into gardening and there's been quite a lot of gardening conversation going on in LD as we come from spring to summer there, there is if you if you follow me on Twitter John it's there um, Bob Flowerdew on Gardener's Question Time always says of grapes this was like prune until you cry and then prune some more and I think it's a great analogy because otherwise you'd get loads of rubbish fruit that isn't actually very big or very juicy whereas what you want is really good quality fruit that you're going to enjoy and I think we can apply that to learning too
0: yeah absolutely and i i mean she she got through so many slides and so many ideas and she deliberately kind of skipped over some within seconds because she said you know i'll post the link at the end and i think it's on um, I, I took a photo of it it's on the training in general uh, twitter feed so if you want to look at the whole deck you can do um and it was, a, it was a really great keynote and it and it seems to me that i've seen more talk about creativity in D in the last couple of years than i have in the previous few
1: yeah, I, I think, think certainly what I was getting from the Twitter back channel about it and the discussion ahead of time was the inner world of AI and assisted augmented reality and lots of technology taking over things. Then what we actually need is to focus on what makes us different, and that's one of the things that she focuses on. So that sounded really good to me.
0: Yeah, it was uh, it was great. So do check it out. Uh, then after that, I went to. Nigel Payne's session, which was about, um, it was the one you were chairing, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Uh, How was that experience for you?
1: Well, working with Nigel is always a joy because he's such a professional, and I joked to Don Taylor that I had a really easy session. Um... But it was actually really good because what was being trialed here was a Klaxoon platform. And so it was all about kind of a virtual collaboration tool. So partly you had a little bit of a kind of chat room that people could use. They could draw, they could share pictures, but also what Nigel and Klaxoon were able to set up beforehand for the questions he wanted to ask, the collaborative activities. And there was quite a few different ways of doing that. So what that meant was it wasn't Nigel talking at 100 people, which even if that was the case, it would have been great. It was actually talking with and getting them much more involved. But you were in the audience rather than I was sort of had the chairing point. So so what was your perspective? Uh, I thought the talk was great.
0: I really did. I liked the platform. I've got reservations about it. I'll come back to those. But Klaxoom as a platform, I thought, was it was the perfect way to engage everyone in the discussion, because, you know, typically at these events, you get the same two or three people not at all events but the same two or three people within the one event kind of going through the day and probably the ones that will be asking questions and some of them some other people who might have a valid point don't necessarily want to put their hands up so the uh, all the polls and the the, what was their word for word clouds? Was it storms or something? Uh, like word that?
1: storm, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: so that was fully interactive. Anyone who was was on the uh, who was linked to the classroom Wi-Fi could get involved. It was a really good way of kind of democratizing yes. uh, people's opinions about the talk, See, which I this thought was is really keep really good. banging
1: on about virtual classroom and webinars and mm. chat room use, but that's a whole other conversation. <laughs>
0: um, <laughs> but it was good. I do have reservations about whether it things which other platforms don't necessarily mm-hmm. it certainly was a great example of what you can do um, and I guess the key w- was up front saying right we're all going to be using this platform this is how you log on make it very very clear yeah. the mechanics of how it's going to work but say if everyone had slack you could probably do the same thing I think
1: yeah quite possibly you so um, I think the challenge there is you know, if we had used Slack in that session, what that means is you've got to have the link for it. Everybody's got to join. Everybody's got to have the app. Yeah. Whereas, you know, just the choice of this particular platform was it's web-based. Yeah. The difficulty was doing it on a Wi-Fi in the room, but that did mean that you had a really clean connection as opposed to sometimes conference Wi-Fis drop out. Um, I really liked the platform as well. There was some in the use of it. There were some bits of reservation I had around the usability and things that could easily be improved I think. But the basics of it were really good. Certainly what it enabled people to do really loved, bright, colourful and collaborative.
0: Yeah, I, I quite like the dynamics of it as well, like the way the word cloud switched around as things as so how can I describe this on a podcast? It's quite difficult. But you so one of some of the exercises where you'd, you'd be asked to synopsize say learning culture in one word and so people have put in things in the, the number of times the word was used obviously the, the word got bigger like in a word cloud but as that changed around you'd see the word cloud dynamically the word storm mm. dynamically changing around you and the word moving around as it got bigger and smaller yeah. and stuff and people really
1: could cool. vote on the words as yeah. well or, or like them uh, put little hearts next to them so you might not have written it but if you mm. had enough people like it then the word would get bigger as well so you didn't have to write it you could just vote on it and it was all quite dynamic and moving. So yeah, in terms of the, A, the technology, but also the technology for the purpose of the conversation was really good. So moving
0: on to the first session after lunch, uh, what did you see after lunch? Where where did you go?
1: I actually went to the exhibition after lunch, so we can chat about that in a bit.
0: I went to see a talk about live streaming, which was from a company called Dream Tech and uh, something that I... I'm going to do what I haven't got around to doing yet is is to further engage our Facebook audience. Is to do uh, live streams of the content for the week on TJ. Uh, I'm basically just putting it off because uh, it's probably I'm making it more complicated than it actually needs to be. <laughs> I promise you all, it will start.
1: Is this something you've got from DreamTech Is to keep it simple. Well. I mean, the, the slides that I took
0: photos of and put on the TJ Twitter feed did actually. I think we're ticking a lot of the boxes, and I have been on personal stuff. I've been doing like when I when I DJ and stuff. I, I live stream that, and and uh, you know all the things they were saying about it creating a sense of community and and uh, and those sorts of things did apply to things I've already been doing. So I think I think what we will be doing for Facebook is is going to be pretty powerful. It's just about like going right back to the keynote session actually it's just getting on with it and doing it rather than yes. sitting around and saying oh I want everything to be perfect Yeah. you know just start and then iterate I think
1: well actually kind of jumping way to the end of the day the session I've just come out of with Lee Bryant which was all about collaborative learning and actually about using technology for those things uh, and pretty much his last slide was start your digital transformation today and then his slide had the word tomorrow crossed out so I feel that can apply to you too John Yeah. Fair
0: enough, I'll take that. Um, so that one actually finished a little bit short of time, so I went into another session about virtual reality. Uh, it was uh, Ron Edwards was the guy who did the second talk, who uh, someone who's been around the L and D circuit for a while, uh, talked about different uh, brands of and different talked about different brands of VR headset and different products, which was really interesting. Uh, he pulled up one stat which he said that in the next two years something like 20% of businesses are going to be using VR. I'm not sure I believe that but he did make the point that a lot of companies are doing it now already and aren't really making a big deal of it. It does seem very powerful so he shared a video which I think the guy in, who immediately preceded him in the, in the same talk did actually as well which is a guy called Peter Manish Reba uh, who works for Siemens. Uh, games and renewable energy and Ron shared the same video which was and I think I've seen it before and it's uh, a selection of people who, wearing a headset who are supposed to go out on have you seen this one they, they're trying to rescue a cat from the end of a plank
1: oh, okay. do you know about this No, no. and
0: so so that you get in at the bottom floor in a lift, this is all, all the, in the VR sequence, and, uh, and so you get to the 40th floor, whatever it is, and, and uh, you open the doors, and you see one of the windows is open, there's a plank of wood with a cat on the end, and you have to go out and rescue it. Wow, and, and
1: at this point, John is literally leaning across the table, reaching out in his invisible plank, and he doesn't even have his VR headset on. Yeah, I mean, <laughs>
0: it, it's clearly powerful stuff, but I do have to question again, I mean, how, how widespread is this going to be? I think... It's very industry-dependent for me, and I can certainly see L&D teams using it in maybe engineering and things like that, and it already is, uh, oil but and gas, etc., cetera, et cetera, But
1: Definitely in all those areas where safety is a concern, <laughs> where you need to experiment, um, where your manufacturing or your equipment is expensive or difficult to get hold of, definitely. But I think whenever I talk to um, people like... definitely wherever I talk to someone like Marco Ficini he's always talking about how actually you can use it for soft skills and he gives me examples of how people are using it to demonstrate scenarios where you can then because you're in the moment you're actually kind of living it as opposed to just saying what would I do
0: yeah I remember a while ago talking to Sarah Frame about uh, who was at tour at the time and uh, she did some work around dementia and and they created loads of uh, learnscapes, yes. I think they called yes, them and uh, that. that was I think she worked with Julie Wedgwood on some of the work as well uh, and that is kind of where VR and experiential full on experiential immersive yeah. learning kind of crossed over so yeah I mean there, there's a variety of industries I'm just maybe I'm just being a little bit of a, a luddite and a little bit of a technophobe <laughs> just wondering how
1: Which I find funny considering all the work that you do, which is amazing. Mm. But I think sometimes we can do that. Is the uh, one of the sessions today, and I can't even remember which one it was, um, was talking about kind of business and doing business differently. It's probably Nigel's session actually that I was chairing. And, And I was thinking about running my own business and how much of that do I do from a very From a very traditional point of view even though my business is about virtual classrooms which is very non-traditional so so that really made me kind of think about that kind of culture point so you know we're of we're of a certain age now john where we're not (laughs) do not look at me that way where we're not you know necessarily the young hip fashionable people looking at things in a different way so maybe we have got a little stuck in our way maybe we can challenge each other that way
0: True, true. I mean, I wouldn't know where to start with things like Snapchat, for example.
1: I did give it a go, but I just couldn't cope with it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm happy to be called old in that fashion session. <laughs> So wrapping up on uh, Learning Technology Summer 4,
0: how was the exhibition?
1: Exhibition was really good, much smaller than it is at uh, the February kind of event, obviously. It means you can walk around in um, and see everybody. All the stands are a little bit smaller. So in some way, some people have said they're less intimidating, which is really nice. All the people I spoke to on the exhibition floor had said they'd had really good quality conversations with people. It had been really busy. So that all bodes really well. So yeah, all in all, really interesting
0: okay so that was this year's learning Technologies summer forum so let's come on to this month's magazine june 2018 can you believe half the year is uh, gone already
1: and also two years since we had the redesign launch of the magazine is it yes Ah, cool
0: but it's another it's another great issue we've got annie boat corporate coach on the cover talking about uh, transformational coaching we look kind of internally I guess uh, into the business into the self really about it. empathy uh, your own career those kind of changes Debbie kicks off her editor's leader talking about change in VUCA VUCA is something you know that I love Joe.
1: Um, <laughs> do you remember arguing about this with you on a
0: previous podcast we'll, we'll leave that there but I mean her main points are change is happening and we can't react to it the whole point is that it's just something that has to be accepted and it's going on all the time it's not like you're sitting around just going when when are things going to change? You've got to understand that things are always changing and be and be ready for that. I think. Yeah. Uh, Don Donald Taylor's article this month is something very very close to my heart, and it's about exams. Uh, and he talks about why we shouldn't uh, really examine well put people through exams so much because. And a, and a phrase that he comes back to is uh, a couple of times through the the, uh, the features. I'm not academic, and I know that. A lot of people feel like they don't fit into the school system or the higher education system and and that's something that can kind of follow them throughout their life and I think it's a a really negative way of looking at education Mm. really in terms
1: I a million percent agree with that however I'm going to play devil's advocate just because I can when I think about kind of the real world yeah we don't sit exams but in the real world we're put on the spot and sometimes we have to do things when they need to be done so if we could have and I'm going to use the word exam very loosely, that actually replicates the real world much more, then that would be useful and interesting because that would be some kind of, again, I don't like the word test, but it really would show how people work in the real world.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Maybe maybe the exam system just needs a bit of an overhaul. Or maybe we don't need... A massive overhaul, but yeah. yeah. (laughs) Let's go for a massive overhaul, actually. Or maybe it needs to be less widespread, you know, Maybe it needs to be less widespread in that some jobs, industries, professions do need to have regular exams because, say, there, there are compliance issues or mm-hmm. standards issues. My wife's a paediatric nurse. She has to go through, you'd, you, you wouldn't believe, the classroom training that goes on in the NHS. It's like, tick that box and done. It's terrible. Or at least in her part of the NHS. But, uh, so it's viable in some ways. But I think maybe we still lean too heavily on, on exams for everyone. And I don't think it's very constructive. Yeah, stressful. Agreed. What does Cook look at this month?
1: Career development. Uh, One of the things that I talk about is, rightly or wrongly, I've never had a proper career plan. You know, Some people have got the next five or 10 years planned out. That's not me, that's not how I work. For other people, that works brilliantly and that's absolutely excellent. Uh, And I talk a little bit about what career is, how you can look at it in different ways, and, and just how I look at it. So if that's useful to somebody, that's brilliant. And if it's not, you can skip on to the next bit of TJ.
0: But also you do talk about that you you are heading and looking for something even yeah. if it's not necessarily the big five ten year plan i know people like that i've got friends like that and and that's not me either i don't think really um what am i even doing here i don't know
1: <laughs> so um, how did you get here to <laughs> uh
0: yeah so we've got a new column this month uh starting up based on a kind of one-off article, I think, over the last couple of months, and then we subsequently agreed this uh, this new monthly article called Future yeah. Insight.
1: And Rohit Talwar and Helena Carle do a great job.
0: They do. They do. And. Uh, put some really funny blog, blog posts up on LinkedIn about the possibilities of, of various different industries in future. And they talk about uh, how things are gonna get faster, more digital, uh, smarter, certainly worth looking at. And there's a piece from Nicky Farrow, who is also one of the speakers on this week's webinar. Should we come on to webinars?
1: Yeah, I really like in her column, one of the quotes that we pulled out actually, is she says, businesses are increasingly realizing that great leaders are those that, among other traits, cultivate and display compassion. And that's something that we're talking about in the webinar, and that is on June the 14th. So it's a Thursday, rather than normally we do it on a Tuesday, but we're here today. Um, that's 10 a.m. UK time. And we've also got uh, Phil Wilcox from Emotional Learning. Um, And we've also got Phil Wilcox from Emotion at Work. And, of course, we have Stephanie Morgan from Braille No Learning.
0: And she also does a column this month where she talks about something very close to our heart, and that is the idea of me PLC or personal branding. My favourite quote from uh, her article this month is, is developing a personal brand can help you to think objectively about your career and focus on what skills you need to develop in order to get where you want to go. Seems obvious, but not a lot of people do it.
1: I really like that. I remember when I first started my business, and I remember looking at people's blogs, people like Don Taylor, people like Craig Taylor, um, and other people, and they had all these speaking engagements, you know, like their page of, this is all my speaking stuff. And I remember thinking, I want that. I remember wanting a website where I had loads of blogs on it. And admittedly, five years later, you know, but even at the three years later, later I had that so that was part of that I that's what I want and whilst I didn't go and do the proper step-by-step what do I need to achieve because I had that vision and that desire I managed to achieve that and now I actually have to edit my blogs and edit my speaking pages because there's too much on there so I think she makes a really great point about what is it that you want and then you can go and head for it.
0: It is almost where HR and L&D meet because you've got the, 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 the kind of career element is, is the HR element and recruitment, but the development is almost about developing yourself and, mm. you know, the self-development of, uh, of, your, of your brand, although brand is, it's a, it's a loaded word for some people, but I yeah. think it's, it is a it's, good It's article. a really
1: good borrowed term to think about what people think about you, not just what it is that you're doing. TJ, is I'm here with Stephanie. Stephanie Morgan from Braileno Learning. Tell us what your role is and tell
2: us what Braileno do. Oh, hi, Jo. I'm delighted to be with you here today. Um, I am Director of Learning Solutions at Braileno Learning. And what that means is I'm responsible for all of the design and delivery of the blended learning solutions that um, we produce for our fantastic, wonderful, gorgeous clients. Oh, no pressure then. (laughs) Not, well, no, a bit, perhaps.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Now, we are absolutely overjoyed that you are going to be on our TJ Wow live video discussion on the 14th of June. It always starts at 10 a.m. UK time. And the question we're going to be discussing is can empathy deliver business performance and results? So what's your starter for 10, Stephanie?
2: (laughs) Well, I'm going to um, talk about managers being the secret source that really um, helps an organization get results anyway. So I firmly believe that if you can develop your managers, then you are going to get better results because they are leveraging every aspect of your business. And so if Uh, I was going to think about a manager who was really fantastic and engaging and getting the best from their team I don't think I could picture that person if they didn't have empathy so that's my start of a 10.
1: I think you make a great point I really like the point about the manager being the linchpin let's pause for a moment what does empathy mean to you?
2: Put really simply, it's not just standing in the other person's shoes. It's about feeling what they're feeling, seeing what they're seeing and appreciating uh, their point of view and their situation and suspending all your own baggage, all your own um, thoughts and feelings about what it would be like for you in those shoes. It's nothing about me. It's all about the other person.
1: Okay, so this is what makes part of what makes a good manager, anyway, is being able to manage their team from their team's perspective. Yeah. So, part of the question we have for our TJ Wow live video discussion is how can empathy deliver business performance and results? So, how do you link those two together? Well,
2: I'd use a cliche really that old cliche that people don't leave organizations, they leave their managers. Mm. So, um, yeah, I've done that it, a few times. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a direct correlation. If, um, I mean, obviously, you need to understand your own role and you need to have the tools and equipment to do your job effectively. But the thing that gets people performing um, to a higher degree, the thing that gets more commitment, more trust, more effort is when you really uh, feel a connection with the people in your team and your manager in particular. So I think the more empathy that you have for each other, the more you can support and challenge each other, the higher your expectations are of each other and the more that you deliver results. I haven't measured it, I freely admit that, but um, I'm absolutely convinced from anecdotally, uh, working with managers for over 20 years now that that is definitely a correlation.
1: So you mentioned about support, and I can definitely understand that, that if I've got a large workload or a work problem or a personal problem, that if my manager is empathetic of my situation, we can deal with that and they can give me the support that I need in whatever form that takes. But you also mentioned their challenge. Tell us a bit more how empathy can help me challenge my team.
2: Well, I think the more that you understand somebody, the more you're in a position to be more open and honest with them. So if you've got to the point where you are empathic and you do know what makes the other person tick and you know what's important to them, then you're in a much stronger position to provide challenge and, and in a way that it is welcomed because if it's a, a mutual respect, I mean, I, I mean, we've worked together for quite a long time, haven't we, Joe? I would be disappointed in you if you didn't challenge me. <laughs>
1: you're not the first person to say that and I'm reading it as a compliment (laughs)
2: it is a compliment it definitely is a compliment that's about our level of uh, you know I feel comfortable with you I trust you with my feelings I trust you to do the right thing for me and the reason for that is because you demonstrate to me that it's not all about you and it isn't all about me either but that you care and are concerned about us both having a healthy relationship
1: I see that explains it really well and and you mention about being empathic so so tell us a bit more about what that means and does it mean that I have to know someone really really well to get to that level
2: I don't think it does I think I think it's a human reaction that we tune out over time so I think we are not herd animals per se but i think we are quite intuitive i think you know as cave people we needed to be more intuitive we could pick up on other people more easily and i and i'm sure that you've been or other people have been in meetings or met a colleague and you've asked them if they're fine and they've said all the right things they have even tried to make their body language say that they're fine but you absolutely know they're not Mm. um and even if you say you know if you question are you sure then and they, they assert that they are. You still know that they're not. So I think that we can be empathic without even trying. I think what's happened is we've stopped trying and we've stopped noticing the signals. And I mean, I don't mean we should be butting in on everything, but um, empathy is about giving someone some space to express themselves. Mm-hmm. And many, many years ago, I got burgled and everybody had a better burglary than me. <laughs> absolutely everybody they wanted to know how much got stolen and they wanted to know what was there any damage but only so they could compete Mm. and if they didn't have a better burglary then they would hijack somebody else's burglary so somebody in their street or someone they've read about in the paper what people 99.9 percent of people didn't do was say and how are you now Mm. and how has that impacted you and is there anything i can do for you and are you okay because there was this um need i think to show sympathy and i think a misplaced belief that that was empathy you know if i can show you i know what you mean then that means I'm, I'm empathizing but that that isn't what empathy is
1: so how how can we put those two things differently because we we see this a lot with people as you're saying and with managers as well that we might go to them with a, a work or a personal problem or anything else in between and And we want you know and sometimes that can actually be quite challenging to go to your manager with whatever kind of challenge or problem you're dealing with and you need that support even if it's give me more work give me more challenge that's still a problem and to deal with so what you described there was sympathy and then the almost one-upmanship how how do we know we're being empathetic versus sympathetic if i'm talking to you about your burglary what should I be thinking that makes me go oh oh no that's sympathy which isn't right in this situation I should be empathetic how do I know that
2: well what should we be thinking is a really good question to ask yourself because as soon as you start thinking and you've moved away from the person then you're definitely not being empathic Um, and it should be a balance of the other person doing the talking not you so if you're chatting on then you're probably not being empathic because in order to be empathic you need to understand first of all and if you haven't asked any questions then you can't Mm. um and people give you clues all the time so they squeak a lot and they shout a lot and they they might do all sorts of things to try and get your attention and to try and get you to ask them so they might use more colorful language to to try and hook you in um so for example this didn't happen with me in my burglary, but I might have, if I didn't feel heard, start to dramatize it. Oh my God, you wouldn't believe what I thought when it happened. I couldn't believe how much it it affected me. I I might exaggerate it because I'm desperate for you to just ask me, Mm. how am I? So people give clues away as well. And um, if you thought, why are they repeating that? You might just want to ask them.
1: Yeah. Yeah, this is something I see quite a lot or, or observe quite a lot either in sort of social communication and business communication is people will often repeat themselves because they don't feel heard and also very often we're not in somebody's conversation where there might be back and forth which looks like conversation but actually it's just two people broadcasting at each other. Whereas the listening and the being in your conversation or being in your burglary, if you like, and asking what happened, how are you, what are you going to do now, how do you feel and so on. That to me is having a really good quality conversation for you and being there for you. Uh, and that then leads to all sorts of other things, like reading body language and understanding uh, people's verbal communication, and, and all sorts. Is that am I about right there, Stephanie?
2: I'd say you're hitting the nail on the head, and also I would bring that full circle round to business results. Mm-hmm. So if I am able to express how I felt and I'm able to get something off my chest quite early on in a situation, I can move on. Yeah, I think. Not everybody, but quite a lot of people can't let go of things until they've verbalized it. And I think that other cliche, you know, a problem shared is a problem halved is very, very true. So a manager taking two minutes to talk to somebody about the challenges they're having with a new IT system or a new process and to really hear why it's frustrating them or why it's difficult for them can be enough to get them over that hump and get them back on track.
1: Yeah, and it goes back to people often know what the problem and the solution is. I was managing somebody at one point and they they had a, a problem with the work challenge. They they knew they weren't performing at the standard they needed to be. I knew they weren't performing at that standard. But rather than at the beginning of that conversation where they'd finally kind of owned it, if you like, and admitted it and we were talking about mm-hmm. it, I didn't then go and solutioneer. I also didn't bash them and say, well, I've been telling you for ages that there's been a problem or why haven't you listened to me? And I also didn't go into so it's like, well, all those things I told you to do, why didn't you do them, do them now? Yeah. It made that real conscious effort to listen and to ask questions, which if anybody knows me is a huge <laughs> amount of effort. Um, but to just listen to what they had to say, ask a few questions to keep them talking and they eventually came around and they knew the problem they came up with 95 percent of what i was going to say anyway but then it was them doing it and then i also i understood them better rather than just saying do this 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 and assuming it's finished so that for me was was directly to that business result that now or afterwards i should say that person performed great and now they've got a much better insight into themselves so i can definitely see that just on on a one conversation basis let alone across your company
2: yeah no i absolutely agree and for me it also talks to unconscious bias because what we tend to do is assume that we know and if we're assuming that we know then we're probably putting some sort of um i don't know measure against it or some of our own Parameters against something. So yeah,
1: I guess it's a bit of what we think we see, as opposed to what they know the the challenge or the issue is.
2: Yeah, and and it will be different from their perspective. So if we're yeah, as soon as we start assuming, then then we've lost that lost it really. And and the trouble is. Um, especially um, in a manager um, team situation, if you've tried to tell your manager the truth about a situation a few times and they don't listen to you or they're a bit short with you, you stop telling them the truth. Now, what mm. does that do for a system or a process? Yeah. What, what is You know, you, you've just lost that. And not, and not just that one occasion. What you've done is you've almost like turned the tap off for the whole duration of the time you're going to work together. Absolutely. And you, and sometimes you tightened it so tight, it's not even going to drip anymore. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I remember years ago working somewhere and, and I'd basically mucked something up, uh, as we all do. And I hadn't quite owned up to it to my manager. And eventually it came out because just time marches on and these things do. Uh, and she was a bit upset and a bit annoyed and it was a learning moment. You should have said something and so on and so forth. But then she just went straight into, right, let's manage this, went to the other person we were dealing with you know, explained it out and did this, did that, really supported and helped me through it. Uh, and it was no big, massive deal. It was just one of those things that happens. And after that, whilst there were many other things that where she didn't have empathy, it could be said, that <laughs> manager really got my respect at that point. So I thought, well, I got rightly told off to a degree because I did something wrong, but supported through that. So now next time I'm probably going to own up a bit quicker to that because I got that support so it all kind of comes round, doesn't
2: it yeah absolutely and um, but I wasn't talking about things going wrong I was talking about process improvements or ideas you know if, if you're if you're a bit nervous about talking to your manager if they can't pick on the, upon those clues if you're not having empathy that this person is more junior than you might be a bit less assertive because they've been here very all those things mm. so that's all about empathy so positively and negatively if you don't have it whatever the other person's um projecting or bringing to the party if the manager doesn't pick up on that then it will have or could have positive or negative effect Mm.
1: so it really kind of brings back round to the beginning of our conversation where it's it's all about making sure that the managers have that really positive impact and the skills they need to do that not just their business and technical skills but actual management and people skills too
2: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Stephanie, for taking time to chat to us today especially on you know the day we record it's sunny it's warm we both were saying we just want to get outside don't we
2: <laughs> <laughs> it is a glorious day and as i just told you i can see the sea i can see mumbles from my office window i
1: don't want to be
2: out there having ice cream preferably
1: <laughs> jealous now, all jealous. okay well we hope wherever you're listening the sun is shining if not out your window at least in your heart uh, and we will be oh. back on the 14th of June with Stephanie uh, Morgan from Braylano Learning, but also Phil Wilcox from Emotion at Work and Nikki Farrow from The Learning Curve. And Stephanie, we're really looking forward to chatting to you more about this.
2: Um, me too. I can't wait. I love
1: the Training Journal webinars. Oh, you're very kind. we we'll look forward to seeing you. Thank you. Bye. <laughs>
0: so that's it for another month on the tj podcast we are going to be focusing what are we going to be focusing on next month Jim?
1: learning transfer is one thing really interesting topic
0: team working as well
1: and resilience which you need after a busy day like today
0: you do bit of coffee some quality street from the uh, exhibition and everyone's fine
1: yes absolutely okay see you next time
0: bye The TJ Podcast is hosted by John Kennard and Joe Cook. It's produced and edited by me, John Kennard, with additional production by Joe Cook. Title music is by The Leisure All-Stars featuring Yolanda. TJ is a publishing title owned by Dodds Group PLC.